Conversations. It has been a while, folks. A hot minute. The pandemic has messed everything up, including the NHL schedule. So joining me today for an abbreviated chat, because we all know that this could go for hours and hours because she's an amazing person. Uh, Kat Silverman. Welcome, Kat. Thank you for having me. I like that you say hours and hours because I think that's how long we talked the last time we did this. <laughs> I think the last time you and I recorded for like three hours and then it was like, okay, we got to stop. <laughs> that's, that's pretty much what happened. I, I don't envy you having to, uh, <laughs> to, to pilfer through that. Cause I don't even know what that looked like for you. That was God's like, that was some God stuff that you managed <laughs> to sort through it. It was a lot of fun, but my original intention was like, oh, it'll probably just be like 10, 15 minutes with Kat. And it ended up being like, I think, an hour and a half of audio recording that I could use. That sounds about right for us. <laughs> <laughs> but it was so interesting to me. And it was uh, one of my highest rate or um, most listened to podcasts. So there you go. Sweet. I'm so glad that people have been conned into listening to me. That always Yay! makes me really happy. Well, it's because you're the goalie whisperer whisperer. That's right. <laughs> All right, Kat, we have a lot to get to, not a lot of time. Uh, let's start with the Coyotes drama because, you know, they're really mad that everybody always forgets about them. <sighs> oh, my God. Where are we starting with the Coyotes drama? Yes, with the Coyotes drama. Okay, so for those who are not, <laughs> for those who uh, not know, that's like my summation of it is just the <laughs> the deep sigh because uh, I I can't um, stop just like letting out sighs. <laughs> Quick recap, basically, uh, I think it was what is it like a year ago or something? Uh, GM John Chaka. He signed an extension with the Coyotes. He looked very promising. The, the next stats god, whatever, in the front office. Yay! And now there's, like, all this stuff coming out that somebody else wanted him. And then he lied to them. And then he, I don't know. He said something. They said something. It's in ESPN, so. Yeah, so. Details there. It's. It is one of those he said, he said situations, you know, for, for the GM and the, uh, the GM and the, the, the management or the, the executive team for the Arizona Coyotes. Basically, like you said, 
John Chica signed an extension with the Arizona Coyotes. I believe it was last summer, if not right at the start of last year. Coyotes had just brought in Phil Kessel via free agency. They managed to get Taylor Hall midway through the season. Obviously, their offense started to peter out right around mid-February, really struggled in those early weeks of March before the COVID pause hit. But the team was in a position where they are currently in the abbreviated or the uh, the abbreviated season-induced play-in round to potentially make the playoffs. Um, I believe this play-in round is being considered postseason play, so they're officially a quote-unquote playoff team for the first time since 2012 when, as Kings fans undoubtedly remember, uh, they made it all the way to the Western Conference Finals only to be defeated by the Kings, who ended up being that year's Stanley Cup champion. So they were, in my opinion, you could make the case that they were either the second or third best team in the league that year um, since they only lost to the Stanley Cup champions during the playoffs. But been a while since we saw them in postseason play everybody thought that you know team started to underperform a bit down the back stretch but they brought in new ownership this year in a in the first latin owner in the nhl alex morello um he just brought in a new ceo um there's a lot of cash influx coming into the team from morello he's a uh, the very very well endowed businessman um there's a lot of talk that he's really pushing to get their their new arena deal finally done since uh, this team has been squandering in Glendale for a while. Um, traffic makes it kind of tough for the majority of fans who do live on the east side of town to get out to the arena, which is on the west side. Um, and so things are really starting to look up. They underperformed a little bit this year, but all the pieces were in place for a potentially successful 2020-2021 season, whenever that may start, whether it be December, January. 2023 we don't know um but then the news came out earlier this past week that uh general manager john chica was kind he'd kind of gone dark um nobody really heard from him from other teams from other management staff insiders were wondering what was going on it came out the facts that we know are that he terminated his contract with the coyotes which as we said had been extended this past year um it was a long-term deal we believe it was around three years beyond this one um although the details aren't confirmed by anyone um he did you know terminate the remainder of his long-term extension uh the belief is that he had asked permission to interview with another business opportunity we don't know when, we don't know where it was. We just know that there's another business opportunity that he was thinking of taking when it looked like that was starting to shape up into something real for him. The team balked at that, seemed pretty upset. Things went south. The relationship sort of fragmented and he left. What we're not sure of is whether he is the one who's telling the full truth or the team is the one that's telling the full truth because from the team side of things, there was a very, um, I'll, I'll go ahead and say it, um, fairly unprofessional press release when he terminated his deal. Um, team used some very upset language. They <laughs> clearly were not happy with, with that outcome. Um, sources reported unnamed sources, um, that the team called him a liar and a cheat. Um, 
According to some other inside sources, that deal that he was potentially making with another business venture may not actually happen. Other sources are suggesting that that deal was going to pay him something like two to three times what he's getting with the Coyotes. None of it's been confirmed at this point. We don't know how much the team knew. We don't know what he told them in terms of what he was going to do. We don't know if he told them, hey, I'm looking at exploring another opportunity or, hey, I was looking at talking with another company and didn't tell them it was a new business opportunity that he would leave them. We don't know. We just know that uh, the team is not happy with it. He is gone. Assistant General Manager Steve Sullivan, who has been managing Tucson with great success down in the AHL, might I add, uh, has stepped up in the interim to take over the GM role. Certain sources are saying that that may not be a long-term thing. Um, They're looking for someone else to step in. Steve Sullivan definitely doesn't have head general manager experience, um, but he's been with the organization for a very long time. He worked in player development for a while, then oversaw the revitalization of their AHL uh, pipeline for a while there. They were, I believe they were the last place team, if not just in the Pacific division, then in the entire AHL, just, I think it was three or four years ago, they struggled their first year in Tucson, struggled their years in Springfield, struggled for a while in Portland. Um, and now they're, they're a legitimate contender before the, uh, before the AHL season was fully shuttered this year, they were one of the strongest teams in the minor leagues. Um, so he's been he's been doing a pretty successful job. I assumed he'd be moving on to take on more responsibilities, whether it was with the Coyotes or with another team somewhere down the line. We just didn't think it would happen like this. And we didn't think it would happen just days before the team's first playoff appearance in eight years. So <laughs> that's peak Coyotes, though. That's <laughs> If there's a team that's going to do that, and it's not the Ottawa Senators, the New York Islanders, or the Buffalo Sabres, it's going to be the Arizona Coyotes or... <laughs> the Vancouver Canucks. And so, you know, there's a few teams in each conference that, that really just like to get messy and, and they're not the only one that's doing it. And the Canucks are dealing with a lot of drama right now too. Uh, we saw a report earlier today that uh, I believe they fired, I think it was a third of their business ops staff. Um, they fired something like 49 people today, right before their own play in round, um, which doesn't seem super smart either. Uh, so the Coyotes are far from alone in being messy, but theirs is definitely the most publicly acknowledged one because, like you said, John Chaika is this this sort of wonder child, uh, and so much of his stats were behind a black box. You know, he didn't publicly reveal a lot of his his statistical data and a lot of his processes, so he was a very polarizing topic to begin with, and then he quit, and that made him even more polarizing. So, go Yotes. <laughs> I kind of feel like low key the Coyotes are the um, th- this is honestly no pun intended here or I'm not sorry not pun but um, this is not meant to be like insulting or anything in this way um, but they're sort of the drama queens of the Pacific like it comes down between the Canucks and the Coyotes every season oh, 100%. <laughs> the Canucks usually because they're in Canada they usually get um, more attention but when the Coyotes do it, they go big, man. The Coyotes, it's always off-ice stuff mixed in with, like, a nice heaping 
dose of on ice sadness. Whereas like the Canucks, it's always something extremely preventable. So like with the Canucks, we, we saw, I think it was a month ago, their, their head scout who we believe was in large part responsible for the drafting of Elias Patterson, the drafting of a uh, Brock Baser, the draft, the drafting of a uh, Quinn Hughes, you know, all these top guys that are basically driving their franchise right now had a very ugly, messy divorce with that team. And, uh, almost messier than the one John Chica just had with the Coyotes, where this this whole Canucks scout situation was boiling for weeks, and everybody was reporting about it before the team would acknowledge it. And then sure enough, he moved on, and then they just fired just, on, just over a quarter of their business ops staff. We believe there are more firings to come. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's always down to those two teams. And Edmonton was always, like, in a league all its own. I don't I don't think they even belong in the same conversation. But when it comes to just, like, the messy drama, it's it's always the Coyotes and the Canucks in the Pacific. And really in the West. I can't think of another. <laughs> I don't think any of the Central Division teams get quite as messy as Vancouver and Arizona, which is really too bad because I think those are two super exciting teams during the playoffs. I think Vancouver has... I mean, they have EP. He's he's one of the most exciting players to watch right now. They have Quinn Hughes. He's, he's one of the best young defenders to watch right now. They have a really good goalie in Jacob Markstrom who got a little snubbed in the in the Vesna conversation. Then there's the Coyotes with their own pair of Vesna caliber goaltenders in Auntie Ranta and Darcy Kemper, familiar name to Kings fans. Uh, Taylor Hall's return to the playoffs. Phil Kessel's return to the playoffs. Like, what could be more fun than that? And these two teams just, like, cannot get out of their own way. <laughs> See, I feel like the Oilers drama is always the... Um, we Some some people were kind of joking about, you know, they're always that guy. So the, the Oilers are always the the guy who was... Or, or non-binary person. We'll, we'll, we'll throw it out that way. Um, but they're always that guy who reminisces about how awesome they were in high school. Look at all those, and they're just like Montreal. Look at all these shiny titles, except for that Edmonton is in a perpetual midlife crisis, always trying to reclaim their youth and never can. Yeah, that, that sounds about right. That's For them, it's, it's such an on-ice situation. But, but it's funny that we're making fun of these three teams, and that's, that's why I feel comfortable doing it, because they're all, they're all in the playoffs right now, which credit to those three teams like we said they they just cannot get out of their own way the Oilers have been so short-sighted for the last decade and a half Coyotes have been dealing with so much off-ice turmoil Canucks have a a child running their their front office (laughs) who seems confused by the rules and and despite that the rosters for those three teams made it into the play-in round and and good for them right like good for the fans, but also good for those players. Cause there are a lot of players on both of those teams who really deserve a bit of happiness. You look at, you look at guys like, like Alex Edler, you look at guys on, on Edmonton, whether we like him or not, Connor McDavid deserves it. He's done nothing wrong. <laughs> he's done nothing but be the best player in the national hockey league. And he's finally getting rewarded for it. Like good for him. 
Taylor Hall, good for him. Like, how can mm-hmm. we be mad that Taylor Hall's getting another shot at the playoffs? Like, this dude deserves it. <laughs> and he may he may get uh, the first overall pick anyway. He's getting – how often do you get that? The chance <laughs> to play potentially as few as three, but maybe even five playoff games and then also get the first overall pick. Like, there's a very real chance that that could happen for the Coyotes – and that's their that's like one of their worst case scenarios. That's okay. okay. Like good. Well, point. since you brought it up, let's talk about this in brief and then we will talk about why we should root the other way. So should we root for the Coyotes to fail to make the second postseason? I'm very this qualifier round is such nonsense. But should should we root for the Coyotes to fail the qualifier round? but get that first overall pick. Because uh, for those who don't know or don't remember, one of these qualifier teams, Team F, is going to get the first overall pick. So should we root for the Coyotes to be that team? So I'm not rooting for that. But that's to me, that's my consolation prize. Because Taylor Hall's not allowed to be on a lottery team and not get the first overall pick. Like, it doesn't happen. And so... <laughs> I think that I like we should be rooting for the Coyotes to move on. This fan base has put up with so much, and these this community as a whole has put up with so much. And there's there's almost a, a sense of of relief that these fans are finally getting a chance to watch some hockey when it's a hundred degrees outside, or I should say, a hundred and sixteen. It was a hundred and sixteen today. It was a hundred and eleven no. when I went for my run at nine o'clock at night as you very well know um it was it's it's ungodly hot out here so I think these fans deserve a little bit of a little bit of happiness that doesn't have to do with the prospect of seeing hockey in the regular season like they deserve that playoff right but if they happen to lose in five games because I don't think they'll drop it in three um if they happen to lose against Nashville I think Taylor Hall has, like, it's it's his magic power. His <laughs> secret magic power is getting first overall picks. So I think that would be super neat. Um, but ideally, like, I don't think we should be rooting for that because I like what the Coyotes have in place. I'd, I'd love for them to get the first overall pick. I think that would be kind of cool. But ideally, I want to see this team finally get some playoff experience because this roster – Badly needed. They're up and comers. Badly needed. Their veterans don't need it. Nick Jalmerson's played enough playoff minutes to last him a lifetime. Like, dude's tired. But <laughs> their young guys, Jacob Chikrin, Clayton Keller, Christian Dvorak, Christian Fisher, uh, Connor Garland, these guys, they, they need to learn. <laughs> There's no other way to put it. Like, they need to learn. And, and so I'd love to see them get, at the very least, two playoff rounds. I'm not confident they, they can make it too much farther than that, just because they're still, they're still kind of an incomplete team. But, but I can see them making it to the second round, and I would really like to see that happen. I think that would be awesome. When we last talked, you said uh, preseason. So that was, good God, that was almost a year ago. What the hell has 2020 become? Um when we talked literally almost an entire year ago, it was 10 months ago uh, in the preseason, 
Um, you mentioned that all the Coyotes are, well, not all of them, but most of their players are sort of hitting their physical peak right about now. So their time is now, essentially. Yeah, I think that's, that's, that's about it. And what's funny is when we, when we talked about that, we had no idea that Taylor Hall was going to come. Like we had no inkling. I was, I was so blown away by the fact that Phil Kessel had green lighted being traded to Arizona that I didn't even entertain the thought that Taylor Hall could possibly come here until he was walking around the press box during the New Jersey Arizona game here in, here in Glendale, they had healthy scratched him and he was just like chilling with the media. He was just chilling with us up in the press box, getting, getting lots of coffee. And uh, that was like the first time that I even entertained that prospect. So yeah, you, you think about, the fact that Taylor Hall could potentially stay with the Coyotes, he's definitely at the very least been talking with the team. There's, there's at least the possibility that he's entertaining what the team has to offer him. Right. And Phil Kessel is not getting any younger at all, um, <laughs> but you have guys like, like Jacob Chicker and he's, he's reaching the prime of his career. Christian Dvorak took a huge step forward this year and he is, I think that he could maybe take it up another level, but he's he's a bona fide NHL, I'd say top six center. Maybe maybe not an elite first line center by any stretch of the imagination, but he is a quality top six center. Uh, Clayton Keller, for about twenty games as a at a time, is figuring it out. Good for him. Um, I'm hoping that those are the playoff games for him. Uh, Connor Garland, monster, right? Kid's been doing fantastic. He's been one of the most prolific goal scorers the team's seen in years. Um, so, so now kind of is their time. I think uh, if they want to be able to keep some of that veteran presence, the Nick Jalmersons, uh, Oliver Ekman Larson before he starts to decline. Um, if you want to be able to keep a guy like Derek Stefan for your your younger players, just to have that veteran presence. If you want Phil Kessel to be able to skate you kind of have a couple years here with what they, with what they have. And I don't necessarily think that this is their year. And I think I said that back in preseason too. I didn't think that this was their Stanley cup year, but this is definitely their playoff year. You know, they, if they hadn't made the playoffs, there would have needed to be some soul searching for sure. They got a good roster. I'm reluctant to admit that. Um, But you know, why should, with the, even despite all the turnover in the last eight years, and there's been a massive amount of turnover from both teams. Um, the Coyotes went through their rebuild, and it, it sounds like they're about ready, or they are ready now to really start competing for a chance at glory. Um, and the Kings have now had to face reality and are going through their own rebuild. Um, but... Why should I, even though there is still some bad blood there, thank you, Brad Richardson, <laughs> I won't say it's <laughs> it's not bad blood, but it's it's fun. The the two teams definitely still play each other pretty hard with um the few vets that are left around. Um they they still go pretty hard at each other whenever they play. Oh, absolutely. So it's so much fun to watch. <laughs> it is. So why should I still, even all the reasons you listed 
why should I root for the Coyotes to win or to at least advance? Well, they could do it for Darcy Kemper. You know, he was oh, very Darcy. briefly. Yeah, I mean, that's, he's he's probably, and an, I mean no disrespect to Mr. Kemper, should he happen to listen to this. Uh, he's one of the most dull interviews. Just in terms of goalie quirks, he has very few. Um, but one of the smiliest guys in the NHL. He's a, He's just like a really happy dude, but he has some very subtly deep Jonathan quick energy. He loves to rack up penalty minutes, which is something that Mr. Quick <laughs> loves to do too. <laughs> no <laughs> nonsense. Oh, Jonathan quick is the epitome of cool, calm Kings and collected. Fans love it. <laughs> Kings fans love it. And so, I mean, if you, if you're a Kings fan, you have to admit that you, you kind of love those goalies that, they're really the, the shit disturber goalies, right? So, I mean, why not root for that? And the Coyotes are playing their first round against Nashville. Fuck Nashville. Like, why would you guys root for them? So, at the very least, root for them in the first round because we're closer geographically. And we can be super nice to you guys when we want to be. And... Because Darcy Kemper's here. Um, <laughs> and Taylor Hall. For those Taylor who pity Hall, Taylor I mean, Hall. Yeah, I mean, Taylor Hall. I don't I don't think that Kings fans dislike Taylor Hall, if I remember correctly. I don't think there's any real strong feelings for or against him. And last but not least, uh, Los Angeles is in the United States. Phil Kessel is an American hero. He's an icon. <laughs> He's a legend. <laughs> People have screen printed his face looking like a 40-year-old stepdad in his uh, Team USA Olympic roster picture on t-shirts. <laughs> Why not root for that? Like, that's that's so easy to root. There, there are so many Americans on the Coyotes. It's a shockingly American-heavy roster. They've got Christian Fisher, Christian Dvorak, Vinny Hinestroza, Clayton Keller, Connor Garland, Derek Stepan, Alex Goligoski, Jacob Chikrin. Um, neither of their goalies, unfortunately, but, uh, and I, I think I'm leaving somebody out too. I'm pretty sure I'm leaving out another American. I'm going to feel pretty bad about it when I, when I think about it down the line. But, uh, I mean, that's, that's like half their roster. I'm going to look it up so, now. Should look up. I mean, the Kings, Kings fans should root for America's team. What could be more fun than that? Answer? Nothing. <laughs> Let's see. Dvorak, Fisher, Garland, Hinestroza, uh, Keller, Kessel, Schmaltz. I forgot and... about Nick Schmaltz. Good That's okay. We always forget about Nick Schmaltz existing. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding, Nick. <laughs> Poor Nick Schmaltz. Uh... All right. Well, Kat, thank you so much. And uh, I'm excited to see both what happens with the Coyotes on the ice and off the ice. Oh, you and me both. (laughs) (laughs) It's never a dull moment with all this drama in the NHL. Like, we pretend it's dull, but every offseason, someone has to come out and be all dramatic and be all extra. And we're just like... Can you guys get your stuff together? And they're going, 
No. No soap operas, just talking. Oh, best line. Best line ever. Well, anyway, thanks again, Kat, and you have a great night. Thank you for having me. You too. All right, bye. Bye. Welcome back to Crown Conversations. Joining me now is Brian from On the Forecheck, a.k.a. The stats nerd who has all the super fancy graphs. Well, that would be me. <laughs> How are you doing today? I'm great. Thanks. How are you? I'm doing all right. Well, so this podcast is all about why we should root for certain teams. Uh, you're obviously rooting for the Predators. And the funny thing is, I t- talked to Kat the other day about why we should root for the Coyotes. Mm-hmm. Because the Coyotes and the Preds are playing each other. Aha! Yeah. yeah, there you go. <laughs> I am not that clever. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, okay, let's answer the question. Why should we root for the Predators? Well, I mean, let's think about this here. Uh, now, like someone like me, I'm not a country music fan at all. And I know for a lot of people, the whole country music town shtick can get a little bit tiring. But if you think back a couple a couple years during the cup run, uh, you know, there wasn't really a ton of people out there that were that were really actively cheering against the Predators in their run. It seemed like, oh, this is a franchise that's actually having fun. Um, they were embracing uh, their their big personality, the superstar they had traded for, PK Subban. Uh, they've got one of the best mascots in, in all of uh, in all of hockey in, in Nash. Uh, this is pre gritty, I suppose. Um, and, and really it's, it's nice because they've got a bunch of guys that seem to be generally just really good people. Um, it's they're entertaining and most people, they love being at Bridgestone arena. They love to watch the games to hear the atmosphere. They like to hear all the chants and the you sucks. And uh, you know, if you're lucky, you get to see a catfish at the ice. And it's just, again, even if you're like me and not into the whole country music scene, it's a really great atmosphere. And it's, it's, it's something that's kind of missing out of a lot of places in, in hockey, I think. Yes, but they traded away PK, PK Subban. I'm not sure if I can forgive them for that. Well, I mean, I don't know that I can either, um, to be honest. It broke my heart, like, just right in half. But the good, great thing is, is that he's still um, very active in Nashville. They have kept all of his programs and uh, charities and things like that. Actually, the Blue Line Buddies program that he started, uh, Nick Benino runs that now. And he's still very active. He's um, respected here. Everybody still pretty much loves him. Um, it was more of a business decision type thing. Even I don't know if I, if again, I don't know if I'd completely d- agree with it, but he's not somebody that you ever hear anybody in the organization, uh, bad mouthing him or talking about him being a disruption in the locker room or any of that nonsense that you heard from, from Montreal. Um, you know, we recognize that, I, I mean, recognize that Nashville is not the franchise that it is without PK Subban. They turned the corner and became a major hockey franchise, because of PK Subban, and it all coincided that year with with going to the Stanley Cup Finals. Why did I know you said it's a business decision, but why did they trade him? I still don't understand it. So big old contract for the most part. Um, they had um, now, if you count uh, Roman Yossi and his new contract that was coming up, that he was going to be due uh, this last coming up uh, this off season coming up. 
um, they were going to be putting in a ton of money towards just their defensemen uh, between uh, Ellis and, and Yossi. And Matthias Ekholm was $14 million. Um, and then you add on to Subban's deal. And uh, his, I believe, was say eight. Let me make sure. I want to say $9 million for the next three years. And so between his contract and the fact that they wanted to uh, go after Matt Duchesne, something that David Poyle has been apparently trying to do for years and years, um, they made that trade. And it wasn't even a good trade. It's not like Nashville got better because of the trade. But it was just one of those things that the contract was going. They weren't going to be able to re-sign uh, Roman Yossi, who obviously had just a, a banner year this year, uh, one, of the, one of the best players in the, in the NHL. Uh, and it was just one of those necessary things that, you know, they they felt they had to do. I guess. I mean, I mean I trust, I'm, I'm trying to play devil's advocate because it, it hurts me deep inside. <laughs> like, I hate it. Well, I mean, like, I, I get it. Um, you know, the salary cap is, is definitely, uh, as a Kings fan, we felt the constraints of it. I'll put it that way. Right. Um, <laughs> but... I feel like the Predators are always trying to plug that center hole, and it just it hasn't worked out. No, like- and it, that's fair. It really is fair. And I'm gonna say I, I don't. I'm still out on on John Hines. I wasn't really a fan of of them hiring him so quickly like they did. Um, but you know, Nashville under Peter Laviolette is where centers or really any forwards kind of came to to die. I mean. You plug them into the system, uh, a team that historically had no centers, couldn't find any success. And then in a few years, you've got Ryan Johansson and Nick Bonino and Kyle Turris and Matt Duchesne. And you've got people like Kyle Turris, who Peter Laviolette was just benching for no reason whatsoever. Um, every Everything from what we'd heard is around the organization was that it was a personal vendetta of sorts. Um, it's It was just a bad environment. I mean, Na- Nashville is known for their you know, drafting and developing these awesome defensemen, but centers and forwards, it's, it's hard to, you know, the only people you can really count as homegrown for their forwards. I mean, you can't count Forsberg really, um, the, you know, Arvidsson, Craig Smith. Um, wow. Is that really it? Yeah. Callie Yarncroft. That's about it. And, and, you know, so, you know, they, they felt that they had to go out and try to swing for the fences and try to get another superstar type guy that would, would be the last piece that they needed. And and we'll see how it turns out with Duchesne. I remember when the Predators got Ryan Johansson and mm-hmm. um, it, he didn't really fit in right away. I If I recall correctly, I might be misremembering. Uh, A little bit. But I know that, like, towards the end, of course, as they got into the playoffs, he was super critical. And then he got hurt. Mm -hmm. And I will forever be bitter about this. (laughs) (laughs) Because the Penguins won that year, and I will be forever bitter about this. Now, you have to understand what, like, Brian Johansson being hurt that playoff run was not even close to being the only thing. I believe that at one point during the finals, they had three or four guys on the on 23 man roster like on the ice that were at the on the Milwaukee Admirals and they were so Kevin Fiala was was hurt Ryan Johansson was hurt um they were starting guys like 
Freddie Goudreau and uh, just, I mean, it's, and, tr- and trust me, nobody loves Freddie Goudreau more than me, but he's not really NHL material. Um, you know, you had first line center Colton Sissons, which is, is terrifying. He's a great player, but that's not, that's not where you want to be. Um, so yeah, I mean, trust me, Ryan, they, everybody talks about what would have been, what could have been if Ryan Johansson was okay, or Kevin Fiala would have made it through just one of those players. Um, and, and Ryan Johansson kind of gets the, the short end of the stick these days because he's a center that doesn't score a bunch of goals like you see in the NHL. He's an amazing passer. He's one of the best passers uh, in the NHL as far as, you know, high danger passes and getting things to whether it's Victor Arvidsson, Philip Forsberg, whoever. Um, but he doesn't grade out well analytically, which, again, always puts me at odd with with what I like. Um, but you watch him. He's, he's fantastic. He was best buddies with P.K. Subban. They were always... Uh, you know, making a big spectacle on the ice after games. And uh, yeah, he's, he's, he's fantastic. He fits in well. And I can't imagine Nashville without him, to be honest. You're breaking my heart again, Brian. Why is that? Because he was best buddies with PK Subban. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we, we all were really. I mean, if you, if you think about it, I mean, he's touched each and every one of our lives in a positive way. I think. I just, I, I mean, on the ice, I get it because he is a little bit of a pain to watch if you're not a <laughs> fan of his team because he has a tendency to be kind of like Dustin Brown. And I know this is definitely going to get people up in arms who are not <laughs> Dustin Brown fans, but uh-huh. no, I mean, they both have a tendency to be a little slippery on the ice at times. Yeah, he's a little pesky. I think he has he has a style that he goes for and he plays up plays up to it well. Um, but I think one of the things that really drew me to him is you know I was a new hockey fan back then, like like most people think of all Nashville hockey fans, but that actually was me. I am like the definition of a bandwagon fan because it's right about when I moved here into Nashville. But um, he had personality, and I was like, wow, I didn't I couldn't didn't realize that like NHL players were allowed to have personality, <laughs> um, and. It was just good to see like he had that, you know, uh, Sidney Crosby said something about him having bad breath. And so PK (laughs) uh, showed up to the arena with a big uh, bag full of Listerine. I mean, it was just that kind of stuff. And then you got to watch Sidney Crosby, of course, um, slam PK Subban's head into the ice with the ref staring right at him and didn't get a call. So, you know, I'd rather have a type that people say, you know, oh, he's he's a baby or whatever else, but he's a good person and he can kind of back it up. Again, he's got personality and it's something you don't see very often. You're only allowed to have personality in the NHL if you're white. <coughs> yeah, but it's only one, one flavor of personality too. Well, Ovi has a personality. Ovechkin has a personality, but I'm not sure if I really like his personality. <laughs> yeah, I think it's, uh, I think, we don't see very much of it, I think, outside of the the persona that he has. And uh, yeah, I, I try not to look too much deeper than, than <laughs> what you see, I guess. That is true. But right. we can we can talk about the Coyotes if you want. Well, OK, let's talk about how they match up, because this should be an interesting matchup, because I watched a little bit of the Coyotes. No, I don't. I think I watched a little bit of the Predators in their game. Mm-hmm. And I may have caught glimpses of the Coyote. Look, everybody sucked in their tune-up game. Literally, every single team was garbage. And I know I'm, that this I don't is know. like I don't, I don't, I don't know about Nashville. I mean, I expected them to look like garbage, and they actually looked very good. But you're biased. 
Oh, no, actually, I was going to say, I'd say I'd be biased the other way because, again, I was fully expecting them to look like trash. And I, I didn't I don't I didn't have much hope for how they'd come out of this break. And I was very pleasantly surprised. So. If anything, you know, I, I had higher, higher hopes or not higher hopes, but I was kind of favoring Arizona. But after watching kind of how they played that game, I, I feel a little bit better. And that scares me because I don't want to get my hopes up. Never get your hopes up. As a Dodgers fan, I can tell you hope is the enemy. (laughs) I bet. Hope is dangerous. Yes, it is. Never hope. So I will say this. One of the things about the Coyotes, um, the most obvious thing is, you know, look at the whole divorce with, with John Chaka and how that whole thing went. We got to hear reports for... I don't know what about a week or so of oh yeah Taylor Hall's agent is meeting with these people from the Coyotes but you know Chica wasn't invited and you know more free agents are talking with the team but they're not talking to John Chica and then he quits to pursue a bit you know an opportunity elsewhere and they sent they put out a the equivalent of a I don't know like from from uh, from Mean Girls like the burn book type of <laughs> response of like how dare he do that? Like we were nothing but good to him. And now he's going to walk away from us. Like how dare he add that? I mean, no matter what the truth is, you know, you usually come to expect from, from teams and in sports that it's, you know, just media, you know, copy and paste type stuff. But that kind of came off like, Oh no, like how, how dare he, you know, we've been ignoring him. How dare he ignore us? Um, so, I mean, that just looked really crappy to be honest. Um, there's all the stuff here, I believe. Yeah. Back in 2017 too. um, the, the coyotes were under investigation for trying union busting and, uh, spying on staff because there were people who were trying to get paid overtime like they were supposed to. And so they went through a whole big deal. Um, and I think they ended up settling on that, but I mean, come on, like we know now, especially with the pandemic, like how, tenuous like salaries and things like that are for arena workers and people who work for the team uh that aren't in operations and that's just i mean that's just kind of garbage um you know i can say one of the best things is i think david poyle and the predators sean henry's uh, the president sean henry came out i think he was the very first uh team right when this all started that said we're going to completely take care of paying for everybody who works at bridgestone arena um for every game that they would have worked in this time, you know, that were closed. And I have a lot of issues with some of the things that the, the partners organization do, but that was probably one of the, one of the best feelings I got. Now this is right after, oh gosh, and thinking about now that March was just awful was uh, we had the week before the, the season stopped a week and a half is when those tornadoes came and ripped through right down the middle of downtown. Um, and so it was just good to see that they were taking care of people. And then you, you know, you look at and you remember what happened with the coyotes and they're trying to do what they can to not pay their, pay their, uh, employees. And yeah, you know, it's just, that's not, not a good look. I don't like it. Uh, <laughs> I kind of liked the, I know it was super unprofessional, but I thought it was kind of funny. The press release that the coyotes put out. Was oh, so I, en- I enjoyed sassy. how snarky it was. Don't get me wrong. I enjoyed how snarky it was, but I just love the people who immediately bought it and were like, he was so unprofessional. Like, you don't know. Like, you don't know any more than the rest of us do. 
like, you know, it's the, the fans who are immediately like, oh, yes, yes, I can't believe this. This is just, oh, it's disgusting what he did. And how many people were like, oh, he liked the analytics. So you know, what do you guys, what do you analytics people think? Like, oh, your guy failed. And we're like, yeah, well, you know, 10, 11 of your guys who are all, you know, we have to hit everybody as hard as we can. And we're going to get big, you know, six foot two guys who can't skate to save their lives. You know, we're keep them on the roster. Those guys get fired every year. But if that's cool, the, this one GM got fired. So it's all right. Again, plus like all <laughs> You know, analytics people are like all people. There's there's good people and there's there's bad ones. So it was just funny after um, John Jacob officially tendered his recognition that um, basically hockey Twitter like sort of decided to eat itself. Oh, it's always like awesome that, when that happens. That self-eating snake. Mm-hmm. It's just uh, just deep sigh. Like go away. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. Anyway, so back to the product on the ice. Um, how do they match up? Well, um, I think they they match up pretty well. And I think the, the best way to look at this, if you look at the two games that Nashville played with Arizona this season, they're supposed to play another one. Uh, I don't know. I think originally a couple months ago, but never got around. Never were able to really. Um, but Arizona is a team. They, they focus a whole lot on. Uh, jamming teams up in the middle in the neutral zone they aren't a a team that's going to really rely on a whole lot of speed uh at even strength and so what they do is they you know they do the one three uh you know set up in the neutral zone they got the forward hanging back and it works pretty well the very first game that uh, nashville played with arizona they held uh, held nashville up nashville was super frustrated and they lost three to two because uh, nashville committed three three penalties and uh, Arizona scored all three of their goals on the power play because they know that Nashville's special teams power play penalty killing is garbage. Another La Violette signature. And um, but the next the next game, uh, they came Na- Nashville came out and they said, "Hey, we're actually going to play to the strengths that we have. We're going to use this guy, um, this Roman Yossi fellow, who's actually really good at what he does, and we're going to run the offense through him and Ryan Ellis and Philip Forsberg, people like that." And they, they were turned into the rush team that they're actually, you know, built to be. Uh, I think it was the point. Um, they put out a, a preview series uh, talking about how Nashville is really good at uh, exploiting this weakness that the, the Coyotes have. Because once, if they don't jam you up in the middle, then they're scrambling to get back. And uh, I think they said that Nashville was one of the third or fourth most effective um, teams at scoring off the rush. Um, they don't rely on it too well, too much as, you know, they don't have to do that, but when they do, it's, it's pretty effective and Arizona, they're pretty good as well, but they like that. They, they have to have that. Like if, if they, if they don't do it, then it's hard for them to score. And so, you know, looking at even strength, I think they can do pretty well. I think the biggest question mark is that, and for the first time in a while that Nashville has a pretty big weakness when it comes to goaltending, um, you know, Pecorine just took a huge fall this season and it kind of hurts to see it. But, um, you know, we started to have to come to terms with the fact that, you know, had the season not stopped, um, UC Saros had taken over and he had, I think he actually has more games started um, than, than Pecorine does. And he came on towards the end of the season very well, actually. He's doing great. And so, um, but even then, you can't, they don't have that one-two punch like having a Darcy Kemper who's, 
amazing. Um, I really, I really like his game a whole lot. And uh, Antti Dorata, who did pretty well in his absence. They're both, you know, injury prone, but they're really good. And so, you know, I think that if Nashville can play the defense that they need to, which they, they, we've watched them do it. They did it against Dallas yesterday. They did it against Arizona in that previous game. Um, played a very similar strategy against Montreal as well, right before the the pause. You know, I think they can do well as long as they don't make a bunch of mistakes as, uh, and, and go to the penalty kill you know, too often. So I, I, I feel better about it. And after watching film, uh, writing my preview, I, I feel pretty confident about the Predators being able to handle things unless that we have a total meltdown on defense and in, and in net. Since you're talking about special teams, um, offense is where... Sorry, the Predators power play is where offense goes to die. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. It's that, it's that, it's that gift that you see from the Simpsons oh. where they're watching the, the soccer game and they're just p- kicking the b- a ball back and forth. And oh they're not... Like, that's, that's exactly what it was. And it was, that was the La Violette thing. I mean, it took three seasons of, of hey, we're going to have two defensemen and three forwards on both power play units and just it never working. Um, they had the, they brought in another assistant coach at the beginning of the year to try to, to take it over completely. It wasn't one of LaViolette's guys that he had brought with him and they switched and the power play looks better, but I mean, that's a pretty low bar. Um, but yeah, it's awful. It's so bad. They're just, I think they've been, be- they've got it beaten to their heads so much that they're going to just take a bunch of perimeter shots and, you know, you've got guys like Philip Forsberg and you've got Victor Arvidsson and you've got Ryan Johansson and Matt Duchesne. Like, those are four guys now on the first power play unit. And you'd think, like, that's 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 fantastic. And then when you're having them all settle for outside shots, like, well, this is why. Like, why do you think this isn't going to happen? This isn't working. So, yeah, but it's going to be hot garbage. And that's why I don't see Nashville being able to progress more than maybe two rounds if they're lucky. But, you know, it yeah, it's a it's a tire fire. Let's talk for one second about the golden boy to pretty much all Predators fans, Phil. Philip Forsberg. <laughs> hmm Why does everybody love him? I don't understand. I mean, oh, gosh. So you got me, you, you had me, want me to talk about P.K. Subban. Now you want to talk, <laughs> me to talk about Philip Forsberg. Um, he is, I mean, for one, it is really, like, super fun to bring up the whole bring up the trade that that brought him here. I mean, it's just one of those things that Washington was really like they thought that Martin Erat was going to be that last piece that they needed even though everybody knew that Philip Forsberg was going to turn into this really special talent and from that point on he was just I mean, he's been amazing watching him in Milwaukee develop. And then you get to see things where he kind of pulls it out and uh, I think the playoffs 2 years ago against Colorado where he he took the, you know, he had a fast break on Sammy Gerrard for, for Colorado and put it between his legs, put it between Sammy Gerrard's legs, and then put it through the goalie's legs for a goal. And then the net very, like, two games later, did another thing where he powered through two guys and, and scored. I mean, he's just, he's a highlight reel. I mean, if he had the lacrosse goal this season, I don't know if you remember, um, where he didn't even, he didn't flip his stick over like you see, like Svechikov do. He just lifted it and he turned it. He I mean, he literally fl- uh, it flung into the the upper corner of the the net. I mean, it was gorgeous. And he's got this like very unassuming, like he's not real, like 
brash or anything. Um, we do like to kind of laugh because he's really big into video games. And so there's these commercials, very serious looking like um, advertisements with him and like, you know, controllers or like headphones and stuff like that. And then I think the best thing and maybe the only good thing that came out of this whole pandemic like situation is he he had grown facial hair, playoff beard type stuff before and it looked really bad and there's somebody who can't grow facial hair like I know when it's bad but then he came back and had this glorious like pirate mustache and it's just it's I don't know it, it's beautiful and it's just it added another one of those things you're like oh it's, he's just a, he's so great and he's there's he doesn't do anything wrong he's yeah he's awesome and again when you get to have all these highlight reel type type things um you know, it's it's he's a fun player to watch. He's still young, and yeah, Phil Forsberg's great. He plays really good defense too. <laughs> he is definitely Nashville's or their fans' special boy. Like they're they're just like put him in a bubble, take care of him. We we love him. Do mm-hmm. not touch a hair on his head. Like they get so upset when anybody has like a borderline hit on Phil Forsberg. They're like, no, Phil. Yeah, and you know, yeah, you don't want that. I mean, and I think there's been a couple times where he's gotten suspended for something like he he you know checked uh, Jimmy VC with his butt, basically pretty normal thing, and he got suspended for three games. And you know, you, you see stuff like that, and you see like Robert Bertuzzo with St. Uh, St. Louis, you know, knocking Victor Arvidsson out for what's it four weeks, five weeks, or or Corey Perry in the Winter uh, Winter Classic, you know, knocking Ryan Ellis out for several months. But then, you know, nope, we're going to make sure that we, we punish people like Phil, who just kind of ran to a guy with his butt. I mean, who amongst us? <laughs> yes, whomst amongst us have not accidentally ran into somebody with our ass? I mean, I can't. <laughs> I mean, if you, if, you know, if you don't understand, that's, I under, you know, that's good. Good for you, but not all of us can be so, you know, so disciplined. <laughs> all right. Well, last question. Um... The Predators have had a few off-ice issues. Yeah. And as Kings fans, we are familiar, at least long-term Kings fans, mm-hmm. are um, somewhat familiar with the off-ice issues. Dowdy was accused of assaulting somebody, sexually assaulting somebody. And mm-hmm. then, of course, there was the whole Slava Voinov domestic assault thing. And yeah. so, you know, it's kind of like... Dave Poyle has made a lot of missteps when it comes to that. So it's kind of like, should I really still root for them? But on the other hand, they are playing the Coyotes and they're a division rival. So, mm-hmm. yeah. And, you know, again, I can't. One of my biggest things, and, you know, our, you know, on the forecheck, our sites kind of had a contentious relationship with the organization for a few years. I think it wasn't until this season that we started getting uh, press credentials back to, you know, going to games again, because they just weren't fans with how we were very critical, um, especially handling things like um, Mike Ribeiro a few years back, which is just an absolutely trash. Like, I don't know, like it, it couldn't it, it was very few ways that could have been handled worse. Um, he's still in the area. He still, um, you know, is at Ford Ice Center, which is one of the local ice rinks. Um, I think he helps coach youth teams, which I am not down with whatsoever. I don't like that. Um, Austin Watson's 
domestic assault. Um, that's I don't like it. I again, I, I the situation is rough because there's a lot of other stuff that that happened with it, but still doesn't excuse how it was handled by the organization, how it was handled by him. Um, and then they gave him in a this, probably his worst season. Um, and last last two seasons have been awful and rewarded him with a three year contract uh, extension. And you know that they had to kind of regret it because they announced the signing during like in the middle of the second intermission on Halloween, like during a game, they just they said it like on air. That was it. Like, the, you know, there wasn't like a, this is a big tweet. This is a press thing. They just kind of let it out there. Like even they knew it wasn't really the best idea, but they did it anyways. Um, but again, I like to look and think about um, the other people that kind of make up for those guys, your PK Subans. I mean, he, he makes up for a lot of people um, and his charity work and what they've done. Um, you know, the rest of these guys, they all do a whole lot of, of, of really great stuff. And yeah, I don't like, we all have black spots on our team. I mean, there's, there's not very many NHL teams that, that don't have that, especially, you know, just the sport being what it is and the culture that surrounds it. It's, um, it's bad and you can't really make excuses for it, but, um, I think the good outweighs the bad in a lot of cases. Um, you know, with the coyotes, they're division rivals, yes, um, but I mean, like, will you? How good would you feel to see them beat Nashville? Like, oh, you're gonna have this team that, you know, <laughs> you know they were really awful. But what what did you remember about them this their season that either last year or this year? Like, oh, they're really good uh, scoring shorthanded goals. Um, they're yet another team that's wasting Taylor Hall. Um, <laughs> They, they have the they have the second best Kessel. Um, Whoa. Know. Okay, that's true. Yeah, I was gonna say. Excuse me. Uh, sorry, sorry. You're right. You're right. Yes, the Carry second on. best. Uh, yeah. So I mean, they're they're not they're not a, a super offensive team, but again, they're a they're a division rival. Um, they're boring. Um, I don't think that their <laughs> their their mascot um, has the respect for for bailey like nash does and i do actually and i can tell you one of the coolest things was i was trying to uh after one of the games where nashville had played there in uh in la trying to get the game-winning puck that they were getting ready to auction and uh i i said something i can't remember what i said on twitter but like bailey dm'd me and was like hey i can help you get this you know for you know if you need this for some reason i can help you you know do something at the auction. And then I found out how much it was going to actually end up costing. And I was like, Oh no, 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 I don't have that kind of money, but it was cool. And he seems, he seems, he's an awesome, uh, personality, I guess on, on Twitter. I enjoy him. You know, a lot of mascots don't have much of a personality at all, but yeah, <laughs> I mean, they don't, they don't like, they don't love, love Bailey. Like, like, you know, I do. And Nash does. <laughs> That's true. Nash and Bailey are pretty close. They're pretty yeah. good. friends. Of course. Why wouldn't they be? Because they're basically on opposite coasts. Yes, but, you know, you know, distance makes the heart grow fonder or something like that, right? <laughs> That's true. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> oh, jeez. Of course that happens. Good thing I wasn't actually talking. Okay. Um, okay, so I know I said that was the last question, but I actually do have one more question. Go for it. I'm here. Um, 
So Nashville, because they are in the qualifying round, mm-hmm. they could be team, what was it, F or G or some nonsense? Yeah, I think G. G, yeah. They they could be. They could have their number and name called, potentially, if Ooh. they lose to the Coyotes. So, do you root oh, for man. Lafreniere, or do you root for... Uh, to make it to the second round and then probably flame out. Oh, you're gonna you're gonna put me on record on this. <laughs> yeah, this is this this is me speaking you know, on behalf of the of the website. Um, yeah. So, like I said earlier, this Nashville team has a lot of very good players. I don't think they have what it takes to put together an extended run. Um, I don't think they get past Colorado or Las Vegas in the West. And I don't, I know they don't beat Philadelphia or Boston or Tampa Bay out of the East. And so, yeah, you know, part of me goes, yeah, maybe we, they just, oh, well, if they lose, um, you know, even if they don't get that, they don't get that drawing, which is great. I think that everybody gets what, 12 and a half percent chance at it. All the losers do. I mean, I just, I, I wake up in cold sweats thinking about getting <laughs> Lafreniere, like, oh man, like how amazing, like that would be. That's like the superstar player that that Nashville's never had. Like we talk about Phil Forsberg and people like that, but you know Nashville's never had a forty goal scorer. Um, they uh, they've been yeah I think that the franchise record was thirty one set last season, um, so they've just never had that kind of a superstar. And that would instantly he'd instantly be he'd you know reinvigorate the entire uh, franchise. And so yeah, I, I think about it a lot. Um, they're going to be held up in the cap pretty soon. Um, you know, they have to deal with whatever this cap recapture thing is going to be with Shea Weber. If he ever retires early, um, they've got the Seattle expansion draft, having the number one overall pick, uh, come in would, would certainly heal a lot of wounds. So I'm, I'm going to cheer for them to win because I want them to. And, and I'm, you know, it's not a guaranteed given thing that if they lose, that they'll get that first pick. Uh, there's a lot of great picks though at nine, ten, eleven, and twelve too. So again, it wouldn't be that much of a loss. But um, there definitely is a silver lining, and and my goal, my hope is that that John Hines kind of lets it all hang out. He does something like plays a little bit more risky, like lets him just kind of go for it because you can say, well, you know what, I'm a new coach. I just went for it to say like, hey, we're gonna do something really aggressive to try to win this. And if we don't, like, shoot, like here comes the draft. Like, let's get that number one pick. It's kind of a no no lose situation. Isn't this supposed to be like a pretty deep draft anyway? It's a very deep draft. I mean, they can't go wrong. Like the, any of any of those in the first, I believe it's what first fifteen picks. Like, there's so many good players coming out. Again, I'm not a prospects guy, but like even I've watched a little bit of film to kind of like see, and like there's so many good players that can go in the first like twenty picks. Um, yeah, it, it's going to be, it'll be awesome, really, to, to see how that goes. And so, yeah, I just, officially, I am cheering for the Nashville Predators, <laughs> and I do want them to win, because you never know what can happen. If they can make it all the way to the cup finals with, like, you know, duct tape and a bunch of AHL players, <laughs> um, you know, Harry Zolnercheck, like, I mean, who? <laughs> um, <laughs> if they can make it that do that, then, you know, what, what can't they do? And then again, one thing I have, I think I've only only touched on it. I mean, there's Roman Yossi, you know, and I mean, 
the, the stat that we I talk about most with Yossi, and it's something that the, the website had before I started, is is his handsome per sixty. Um, and now that he's got that new eleven million dollar contract that kicks in next year, like that just pushes it up even more. Um, I've seen him in person. It's it's abnormal. It's it's like you know how you see like you talk, they like celebrities, and you're like, oh, they're not real people. They're not like us or something like that. Like he just looks abnormally like good, and he's nice. And his his wife is just super nice, but they're like, oh, these don't seem like real people. These are aliens. Um, so yeah, that's another reason. I can't believe I almost didn't mention it because it was the only thing that the rest of the rest of the writers on the site. That was like a first suggestion was talk about how handsome Roman Yossi is. I'm like, well, of course, like I'm of course I'm going to talk about that. And he's like an amazing hockey player. You know, of course. I'm not that shallow. <laughs> Funny story as a quick aside. Uh-huh. Um, when Seth Jones was still with the team, mm-hmm. and I get that trade, but still, like, oh, can you imagine having Seth Jones back with Roman Yossi? Oh, anyway. I mean, yeah, think of the think of the, the possibilities of, of Nashville and their defensemen. So many op- missed opportunities. Or mm-hmm. oppor- anyway, it was funny because, um, so Seth Jones was telling a story about how he got picked from the team to be like in this magazine or something as like a beautiful boy. And Roman mm-hmm. Riosi wasn't even like top five. Or whatever. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's my favorite thing about too, is, is you go back and look at like all these guys when they were drafted and they're like, you know, 17, 18 year old European kids and they're all, you know, they're scrawny and they're lanky and awkward looking. I mean, like UC Soros, for example, I saw he, I met him and Phil Forsberg uh, a year and a half ago. Um, and like UC Soros, it looks like, oh, this is just like a high school kid from from Nashville. Like he's just weirdly like he just looks like a child. And that's kind of the thing. And, and yeah, so it's funny thinking about Yossi back then and then looking now. But again, that money helps. And that, when you're really good at hockey, you know, you combine those two things. It does pretty well. Well, I mean, Henry Seth Lundquist Jones is, is awesome. <laughs> well, Hank is just fantastic. I've seen, I've also seen him in person. I'm like, yeah, he looks exactly the same. Mm-hmm. It's unnatural. But he looks like, over, yeah, it's otherworldly beautiful. But like, I will say this: he, Hank deserves it. I think because that he's that is his reward for playing for the Rangers for so long. <laughs> it's like a like a reverse, you know, deal with the devil type thing. Like, I mean, it, it, he could have gone elsewhere, and he may, he may still. So, I think Looks his like... next contract takes him until he's like forty-three or something. So, yeah. probably not. Well, they're gonna—they were talking about trading him in the middle of the season, weren't they? And uh, they I were thinking think it was like a rumor, but nothing confirmed because he has um, yeah, uh, next year's his last year. No move clause. Does he? Wait, next year is his last year? I mean, his the last year of his contract? Yeah, he's last next year is, is he's got a no, no movement clause for eight and eight and a half million. Um, Igor is going to be getting the uh, getting the start. It sounds like they're going to make the decision tomorrow. But everybody, everything's pointing to Igor getting the start in the in the playoff series. And again, huh. like I remember pretty distinctly them talking about trading uh, Hank during the season, like back in January, February. So I wouldn't be surprised if he they get him to waive his his contract. Um, yeah, and, it was always a rumor, but that no that it's a full no move clause. 
So, and then there's a new thing in the CBA, or it's like an addendum or whatever, that the PH, um, or sorry, not the PH, the uh, PA, Players Association, and the league just agreed on, which is that any player who is traded, that team now has to honor their new move or no trade clause from here on out. Right. But I think the th- good thing in, in Hank's case is that if you're trading for him, you're going to want to pl- have him for at least that year. And then his contract is up after after next season. So I don't think that would be as much of an issue because they, um, you know, they're going to have They're going to trade for him. They're going to you know trade for that expensive player and to have him for one more year. And again, if you're trading for him, you probably only expect to get one year or so out of it. So I don't think that'll bother him too much and i can't see him going no i'm not i'm not waving my my claws <laughs> at all especially if it's a good town i just i shudder to you know, think if it's pittsburgh or <laughs> someone like that chicago oh god well, that would somehow, be awful <laughs> somehow pittsburgh keeps lucking into excellent goalies um i mean can, i don't can know we do it i was gonna say can we do another episode about pittsburgh too i can talk about them all day <laughs> Well, I don't know if Casey DeSmith is considered like an excellent goalie, but they had Flower, and then they had whoever their starter is now. I always forget his name. Matt Murray. Matt Murray. He's a boring dude, but like he's not he's... very good either. Well, he was really good for a while. Yeah, he was okay. I don't really, I don't like really talking about about him. <laughs> and now they have this other kid, not Casey DeSmith. Everybody hates Casey DeSmith. But uh-huh. I think that's more because Casey DeSmith is probably not a good person. Probably. Um, and then, oh, God, what's his name? Igor. You just yeah. didn't mention it. Yeah. So um, I can't say Igor's last name. Yeah, uh, yeah. I was, I was going to try. I knew that I'd mess <laughs> it up. I was waiting for you to do it first so I could just <laughs> piggyback off that. So you can correct my terrible Russian? Oh, no, I wouldn't even try that. I would just be like, oh, yeah, him. I call him Igor, though. We're close. Like, I know. Igor, yeah. I, well, I think even Rangers fans, they're like, uh, just call him Igor or, like, whatever. Shesterkin. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, they just call him. Shesterkin. Shesterkin, yeah. It's, it's close enough. I'm, whatever. I think it works. People know what it. I'm talking about. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so you, you get the pickle guy, because he reminds me of a pickles brand. Uh huh. And then you've got Georgie. Oh yeah, that's right. I forgot about him. Up and coming. Yeah, that's right. Because that yeah, he was. I think he was the original reason that they were talking about uh, trading Lundqvist. It wasn't Igor. It was it was Georgiev. That's yeah. Oh yeah, he's yes. gone. He's gone. That's right. Lundqvist. Yeah, I think they they're gonna do it. I mean. Well, it's interesting they, because they're. Their goalies are babies. Their goalies were born 94 and 95. For a goalie to be in the NHL, that's basically a baby. That's true, which is, oh, I've got like a lot of personal feelings about that last statement. But uh, <laughs> yeah, no, that is. <laughs> As a, an elder millennial. <laughs> I right? Get there. <laughs> I'm still, I'm still, I'm still a little bit younger than Hank, at least. I can, I haven't aged quite as well, but. <laughs> Who has? Yeah, like nobody. Nobody, I, honestly. That man has access to some kind of a skincare routine that must be something with, like, it's a 
it, it's something with the gods or whatever. I told you he's he's accepted that beauty, and but his punishment is to to be on the Rangers for as long <laughs> as he's been. I mean, that's and I think that's a pretty fair punishment. Given how bad the Rangers defense still is, yes. It's so funny consider thinking about them and Chicago being in the playoffs. It still kind of tickles me to use, you know, get into my southern dialect. It, it, it does. It's, it's just funny to kind of see them. So. Well, so I was talking to um, Sarah, who, you know, writes for Jules. And it was just kind of funny because we were like, how is it possible that the entire Western Conference can lose and yet still somehow miss out on the number one overall pick? Like, who do we have to bribe to make this happen? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I will say this, that if I was a betting man, um, it would be if Arizona loses, I'd, I'd put it on them because they've got the old uh, Taylor Hall uh, charm for getting the first overall pick on his team. Not that he's going to be there to enjoy it, but, you know. He's got that magic of, of whatever team he's on gets that number one pick in, in the lottery. So, you know, it's yeah. funny. Pat said the same thing. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, so, it should be good. It mm-hmm. should be a good matchup. Should be. Yeah, it'll, it'll be interesting to see how it goes. I think we're going to see both goalies. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm going to I'm excited. It's just I, I still don't know if this is all a good idea, but I'm going to enjoy it while it's still happening, I guess. Which team, at least on paper, wins the goalie matchup? Oh, goalie matchup, it'll be Arizona. You have no faith in Pekka anymore. It's not that I don't have faith in Pekka. I, I have plenty of faith in UC Soros, and I think I think Rene, I think with the time off, it's actually going to help him if he ends up playing, which I think he'll probably end up playing the back-to-back. Um, but Kemper and Antirata are just they are on another level this season. They're playing so well. Um, it takes a lot for for me coming from Nashville, you know, always thinking that we had the best goalie tandem in the league to say that. But I mean, Kemper was just phenomenal this season, so I can't really deny that. But, you know, again, I don't think that's going to be the the main breaking point, because I think when it comes to skaters, I think Nashville's a little bit better off there. So. And Nashville has experience on their side, to be fair. Mm-hmm. Yep. So we'll we'll see if experience trumps youth. Yeah. I mean, I, I've watched the last two games pretty recently. They've been played against Arizona. And that second game, they just unleashed Roman Yossi. And he, <laughs> yeah, it was, I mean, but he's just, he's fast. He's such a good skater. I mean, it's, it's unbelievable. And I think his style specifically really lends to beating Arizona. Now, now if we're trying to get into a foot race, you know, against the Colorado or someone like that, it's not going to be pretty, but. With Arizona, I think they're pretty nicely built to be to get past them. All right, final predictions. I'm gonna say Nashville in four. Ooh, what Nashville mm-hmm. in four? Oh, it's a best of five. I was like Nashville in four. What you, you made me about? doubt myself, and like I, we've been talking about this doing our series predictions. Uh, like, like no, remember it's five games. It's five games, and how weird <laughs> it looks put on paper. And then you made me doubt myself again. Yeah, Nashville <laughs> in four. I think they'll drop one, probably one in the. Uh, one of the halves of the back-to-back, uh, which is on, what, Tuesday and Wednesday. Um, but, yeah, I, I feel pretty confident that, that Nashville will be able to get it done and then promptly get stomped in the second round. By Colorado, probably. Yeah, the weird thing is is we don't know who the, the – they don't know who any of the opponents are going to be um, in, in the second round. So 
I like their chances against maybe St. Louis too, or St. Louis or Dallas. But I'm gonna laugh if it's Minnesota. <laughs> yeah, that would be that would be something. Uh, we give the whole Kevin Fiala storyline a nice bow. How is the universe not going to do this for us? Just put a bow on it. Yeah, Just with these two two teams, another two te- game a series with two teams that fired their coach. So yeah, very true. Yep. All right. Well, that's all I have. Thank you, Brian. And thank you for uh, having me. This is fun. Yeah. Good luck to the Preds, and we'll definitely have to talk again before the season starts. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Be that in 2020 or 2021. Who knows? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it may be this winter, or we may just never get to see it again. Who knows? Yeah, don't know. God, can you imagine them trying to squeeze 82 games into four months? I could see them doing it. I mean, I could very easily see them do it. Look what they're we're, they're squeezing into now. So yeah, I could. They'll definitely try. True. Let's see. The Stanley Cup will be October. I know early December they're going to aim for starting the regular season. What a mess. Yeah, and the draft right there, like, what, three weeks after, two weeks after the Stanley Cup? I have no idea. (laughs) Yeah. Ridiculous. But we'll see. Let's make it through. All right. Well, you have a good one then.